Wow. So, I, as I said, I'm so blessed to be here. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for this opportunity. He's right. He asked me a long time ago. Well, I said, yes, of course. And then all of a sudden, here we are. Um, and it is Mother's Day, and I want to honor the moms in the house. And so um, it is a special day, but I also know that it's a hard day for a lot of you. Sometimes, honestly, women will stay away from church on Mother's Day because they're pretty sure that there's going to be a talk on being a mom, and maybe there's just a lot of things that enter into that. And so as much as it is a day of blessing for a lot of us, it's a day maybe of heartbreak and sadness for some of you. So that being said, though, I actually think about it that usually when we come to church, we pretty much are in that place anyway, right? Sometimes we've had a bad week, and we're coming to church, and it's been a hard, maybe even a heartbreaking week because of something that's happened. Or maybe it's been an amazing week, and so we come to church rejoicing with all the good things. So, so honestly, whether it's Mother's Day and there's some things that are in our heart that bring sadness, we are here in church every Sunday We open our doors because we know that everybody comes in on their journey in different places with both joy and sadness, celebration, and sometimes maybe even some despair that comes in. But the Word of God and the Holy Spirit wants to come in and minister to you no matter where you are. I recently watched a short video by Pastor Stephen Furtick, and his little message was called Living in Dual Seasons. And this is what he said. He said, you might have a lot of money, we all want that, right, plenty, but maybe not a lot of time, want. You might have a lot of peace, plenty, but not very good health, want. You may have a good career path, plenty, but a relationship with a teenager that is broken, want. So every one of us is living in both. We all are living in this duality of life. So I guess I'm asking that today we can be applauding those in their plenty, those moms that are rejoicing today, and also being sensitive to those in the want, especially on a day like today on Mother's Day. So my own personal journey, I have the sensitivity here. I lost my mom when I was 16 years old, and so there's really not a Mother's Day that goes by that I don't, I don't feel a lack or a want that I missed out on having a mom all those years. And then um, the year after Don and I were married, uh, I experienced a miscarriage with our first child. And I have a daughter and a daughter-in-law that between the two of them, they have eight miscarriages. So I have eight grandbabies that are in heaven. So it does make me sensitive, and I understand some of the places where we are today. So wherever we are in our journey, I just want you all to know that you're loved and you're honored and that you're appreciated today. I'm reminded of a message that I heard from Exodus chapter 1, and some of you may be familiar with this. It's the story about how the midwives in Egypt, remember when Pharaoh said when the babies were born, if there was a male baby, they were to be put to death. The girls could live, but the boys had to be killed. And the midwives were called to help birth these babies and take the sons and kill them, but they didn't do that. It says that uh, they helped the Jewish women give birth to their sons and to save them from Pharaoh. The midwives themselves were barren, but chose even in their barrenness to minister in their very place of want. The Bible says that because of what they did, God blessed their wombs. I don't know if sometimes we kind of miss those little moments where the scripture tells us that. But I believe the truth in this passage is that if we let God get in the middle of our want or our lack, and we press into him even in the areas that are painful, that he will bless us in ways that we 
that can surprise us. So I just want to pray for us this morning. I prayed for Paul, but I want to just bless you today and this Mother's Day. So, Father, thank you for the church this morning here, and I just want to ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on us and that you would um, take the words that I shared today out of a familiar passage and make them fresh and alive in us today and uh, bring your encouragement to us by your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my message today is called the Proverbs 31 path. And so I know for a lot of us women, sometimes we go, oh, seriously, Proverbs 31, we've read that before. And honestly, this lady is unattainable, like it's ridiculous. She's perfect. And so if anything, I'm going to jump out of Proverbs uh, 30 right away. It's 30. I'll read. And then I skip 31. But I want to just encourage you today that there are some things about this, uh, this proverb that really is for all of us, whether you're a man or a woman here today, the word is powerful and it wants to come in and, and show us how we live this life. And I think it's pretty cool because the culture of that day really didn't give a lot of honor to women. So I think the very fact that there's a chapter in Proverbs that gives honor and acclaim and appreciation to a woman for what she's done, I think, if anything, what we should do, not bypass that passage, but we should read it with encouragement to say, yes, I would like a chapter in a book written about me, that that's how awesome I am, right? So here is this woman who we want to look at today and be encouraged by the word that she is, uh, that has been talked about her, and that we would be careful about not beating ourselves up with our own insecurities and looking at all of the other and thinking that we could do better. So I'm going to read out of Proverbs 31, verses 25 through 31. Uh, If you have your Bible or your tech device or whatever you read your Bible out of, you can follow along. It says, Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and praises her. Many women do noble things, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her own works bring her praise at the city gates. So I want to just look at a few of these verses and first to our women and especially to the moms this morning, but also the truth of these passages, as I said, is really is truth for all of us. So all of us have to, get, have to listen. We don't get a pass on the word this morning. So verse 25 says that she is clothed with strength and honor. So first of all, I think it's pretty exciting that when we become a follower of Jesus and receive him as our Lord and Savior, that we get a new wardrobe. So, so I'm talking to the girls today. Listen, if our husbands came home and said, listen, babe, you get to go to the store your choice, Nordstrom all the way down to Marshalls, and you get a brand new wardrobe. We would go, really? That is awesome. I'm all over that. New clothes, new shoes. But how amazing that this wardrobe that we get in Christ is so much better than what we have on the external. Isaiah 61.10 says, He has clothed us with garments of salvation and given us a robe of righteousness. That's pretty good clothes to wear. Ephesians 6 says that we have a full new wardrobe of armor, including feet fitted with good news. So when we come to Christ, we take off the old garments, those rags that we kind of have carried around, and Jesus puts on us a new garment. 
We put on Christ. It's the new nature of who he is. So every morning, church, when we get up, we make a choice on what we wear. We can walk into our own personal physical closet and make a choice about what we wear. But I would encourage us that we every morning, more than that, thinking about how much time we spend on what we put on, that we open up the word and we say, God, what's in your word for me this morning that I can put on and that I can reflect you today? So how do we wear strength and honor? 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So even as we've read this passage and we can contemplate like how we don't measure up and we think about our weakness, this word tells us that Christ's strength in us enables us to walk this walk and wear the strength. And we can wear honor because it belongs to him And this grace is extended to us that we can put on this honor. Strength means that my core values are strong. What I believe, what's what's in here. And I uh, am not easily swayed because of these core values that I hold to in the word of God. And how I relate to others is what brings honor. That's what's honorable. I can be trusted. So that strength and honor that we wear is about the honor of Christ and the, um, the strength that he gives us. These are great clothes to be able to put on. Verse 25 also says that she rejoices in the days to come. Well, I, when I wrote this down, I said, fear is rampant today. We don't have to look far. And honestly, if we just even think back about the last couple years, and if I ask you all to raise your hand, I think there were all some things that we said, I don't know about that I could rejoice in the days to come because I didn't, we didn't know what the days we're going to bring us, right? We, two years ago, we were in uh, lockdown and isolation, and we're you know, hearing about friends and family members that are dying. We're hearing about this incredible epidemic that has going through not just our country, but the whole world. And so it was easy, if we weren't careful, to allow the voices that were out there to let fear kind of get settled into us. There's a whole lot that was going on. If we're not careful, we can get caught up in the chatter. I mean, even still today, the chatter that's around us, and we forget whose kingdom we belong to and whose word we're supposed to listen to. So we have to be careful. Like, there is a lot of stuff out there, and concentrating on the voice that we listen to is going to help us to be able to rejoice in the days to come. We belong to Jesus, the one who holds our future, which is why we can rejoice. Now, I think about that word rejoice, and it's, you know, besides the word joy, which is, uh, you know, part of that word rejoice, hundreds and hundreds of times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And really that re-rejoy, like to rehearse, to, uh, to reconsider. So rejoice is reminding ourselves of all of the things that the Lord has done for us. So that's how we can, that's how we rejoice in our future, because we have a past that God has uh, supplied, and he has answered, and he has given for us in ways. So that rejoicing comes in like, I know who you are, God, so I can rejoice in my future because you have never, ever let me down. The NIV uses the word laugh, that she can laugh at what's to come. Boy, we would love that, right? Just to say, you know what, God, we're, we're ready. We don't know what you're going to be doing, but we know we have you. I was thinking about the old chorus, and this is going to age me because it's an old chorus. But it's, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. 
because I know who holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. We serve a resurrected king and a Lord that enables us to hold fast onto our future because of who he is. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That rejoicing can only come in the Lord. It's not going to come because, you know, we're watching the news and we're trying to figure out how it is that we navigate all high gas prices, all the things that seem to be cycling what looks to be out of control. So I was just thinking about it. Wherever you are fearful, I want us to think about and pinpoint where we're putting our trust. I hope you're not putting your trust in Washington, D.C., because... We all know that there's no trusting where that goes. Listen, we're blessed to live in this country, and I am thankful uh, for the United States. I'm thankful that we can be here this morning, and we, should, we can worship the Lord in freedom. But that's not where, it's not where hope comes from. So if you're thinking that if we could just switch presidents, that, you know, it's all going to be good, or, you know, all of these different things could change, we've got to be solid in what the Word of God says, because all of that is what sinking sand, right? We've got to establish on the rock. So think about where you're putting your trust if you've got some fears going on in you. Refocus on the one who is trustworthy. Then you can rejoice in the days to come. The third thing is, verse 26, it says that she speaks with wisdom and kindness. You know, there is such power in our words, power in our tongues. We all know that. The Proverbs actually says that life and death are in the power of our tongue. That's pretty powerful when we think about our words can be life-giving or they can be uh, producing death. So in this, it says that she speaks with wisdom. So we need to seek after wisdom. We need to get it. We need to walk in wisdom. We need to put aside anything that causes us to walk away from what the wisdom of God wants to bring to us. You know, that passage always says, who wants to see good days, right? I think we all want to see good days, but think if we start analyzing our speech, we don't have to go very far sometimes to see why our lives are in such chaos. What are we speaking? Are we speaking life and uh, productivity and health and, and that joy over our circumstances, or are, is there complaint and despair and criticizing in all the things that we do? And Are we fighting with one another, or are we blessing one another? James tells us that blessing and cursing should not be coming out of this same mouth, right? So we are to bless one another. This woman in Proverbs 31 is choosing wise and kind words, and because of it, she is blessed by her children and praised by her her husband. That's what verse 28 is all about. We need to be prophesying, church, over our homes, We need to be prophesying over our spouses, our children, our jobs, our employees and employers. We need to think about what we're saying and if we're actually talking the word of God over. What if we left here today and purposefully decided to speak life and hope and value over every one of us? What if we spent more time encouraging each other and building one another up rather than pointing out faults and imperfections? How do you think this could change our little circle of the world? You know, I think it's sad as we sit sometimes in the church and, you know, we know that the world who doesn't know Jesus, their conversation 
it does spiral in the unknown and in uh, their lack and not knowing what to do and their criticism of all the things that are going on. But can I encourage us, church, to watch how we speak to one another? I think that the things that have gone in our country, the division that was kind of out there in the world, a spirit over us and in the church we opened a door and allowed that same spirit of disunity and division to come in. So we've lost sight of what the main thing is, that the main thing is, is about what we talked about, Pastor Jeff, about the mission of the church to preach Jesus and to give hope, and that's all. It's not, you know, if, we, if all we're doing is spouting our opinions and having arguments about what we each hold, then we've lost sight of what God wants us to do. I had a Bible study teacher when I first got saved, and she just said, if you'll just keep it about Jesus, you're going to find yourself in a great space. So keep it about Jesus, church. Encourage one another. So when we do that, that encouraging words and blessed words come back to us. It's that whole seed sowing, right? Whatever you sow, you reap. So that's what this proverb is saying. She blessed She showed kindness, she sowed wisdom and faithful instruction, and it was poured back to her by her children and her husband and by those at the city gate. Number four, verse 27, says that she watches and she is not idle. She is on task with the things that is before her every single day. She watches over the ways of her household, it says, and does not eat the bread of idleness. This word watch is the word shamar, and it's used in uh, Genesis when God told Adam to watch over the garden. So God had already told Adam, I want you to keep your eyes on what's happening in the garden. And if he'd have been the watchman he should have been, he'd have probably not allowed that serpent to come in, but he lost sight of what it was to be that watchman. And then in Isaiah 62 where there are watchmen posted on the city wall to make sure that the enemy does not get into the city. So it's pretty profound of what this woman is doing. And I think, again, it's not just about this woman, but it's about all of us that God has called us to be watchmen on the wall, that we are to watch and not be idle about the things that are going on around us. We need to have our eyes focused on what God is saying. We need to be have knees down in prayer, and we need to have our voices raised to God to the things that we're seeing around us and be watchmen. One of the best ways to see our families blessed is to be watchmen over them, praying and interceding. I can't help think of the saying, not on my watch. Devil, you can't have my children. You can't have my finances. You cannot have my family. And I think it behooves us to think this morning as we're watchmen and we're not paying attention, what are some of the things that we've allowed to enter into the gates of our city, the gates of our home, by not being good watchmen? I mean, the watchmen on the wall, if they saw an enemy coming towards the wall, and if they did not then turn and tell uh, the powers that be, the kings, and, or, that there was an enemy coming, you know, shame on them. They probably lost their life because of it. And how much more for us as parents and as uh, elders and leaders that we have our eyes on and not ignore the things that we know that are going on around us and being watchmen. So I remember when uh, my husband Don and I, when we first got saved, it was interesting because our lives were um, pretty much pretty crazy, right? Messed, messed up. Uh, yeah. Well, as I said earlier, you know, my mom died when I was 16, so that was one of the things, you know, you lose your mom and you lose some of those foundational things that God wants to do. But when we got saved, we, we uh, 
we kind of were a little radical in what we began to do, but I think God honored our zeal and he blessed us in spite of the zeal and because of our zeal. We got saved and we threw out all of our rock and roll albums, which are called vinyls today. I'm going to update myself here. We threw out every bit of alcohol, every questionable book and magazine went into the dump, and we threw ourselves headlong into Jesus and said, now what? Um, We've never looked back into the best of our ability and to the Holy Spirit's leading. We've watched, we've prayed, instructed, and disciplined the family that he gave us. Not perfect by any means, and if my kids were here, they would say amen to that because we, we were not perfect. But can I tell you how good God is? So my husband used to play in a rock and roll band, and uh, we loved that music, and yet there was something that God did in us to start saying, what, you know, what are we listening to? And so the only thing that we had knowledge of in those days was like, you know, hymns of the church, and we were like, okay, it was like we threw out everything that we'd been listening to through all of our teen years and our early 20s. We're like, okay, there it goes. But about the same time we got saved, and some of you that got saved in the 70s, you're going to remember this, so did hundreds and thousands of young people across America. It was called the Jesus Movement. So many rock and rollers began to write God-given anthems and choruses that struck the heart of a generation. A new sound was birthed, and God said, here's your music. You see, I believe God always gives us something better when we obey him. He'll give us new wine for old wine. New songs for old ones, and the living word of hope instead of despair. I'd say those are great trade-offs. Number five, verse 29, it says that she does noble things. So what is biblical nobility? The definition says to show fine personal qualities and high moral principles or ideals. In other words, it's our character, our values, and our behavior. It's how we live out our personal and our public life that... Um, exemplifies our noble character. So um, I thought here on Mother's Day I would kind of give you a, uh, a great mom fail from this mom. So all the good things that we did. But this one, so um, when I was a mom of a three-year-old and a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, I was also healing from cancer surgery and from chemo. So I had a moment, not one that I am super proud of, but the kids were fighting. I know like none of you other moms are going to you know, relate to that, right? But they are full on arguing with each other. They're not playing. They're being great hostility, and I am trying to get their attention, and they're not listening to me. So I did as in any good mother would do. I was standing in the kitchen, and I just pretended to faint. (laughs) Like I said, I'm not super proud of that. So I went down, and the kids immediately responded. They stopped what they were doing. They ran over. Mom, Mom, are you okay? Are you okay? So I'm like, okay. So I, I woke up. And then, of course, I felt super bad, and I had to tell them, okay, mom didn't really faint, but because you were not paying attention to me, that's what I did to get your attention. So I'll tell you, it only works once. <laughs> it would have never worked again if I had tried it. So, And I don't think any of them are in counseling because of it. But anyway, I think sometimes we'll just kind of do those things, so not very noble on my part. But um, nobility looks different for each one of us, and it really is what God speaks to us individually about how, like I said, how we walk out our personal and our public life, whether it's in raising our kids, being exemplary at our jobs, helping the less fortunate and marginalized, reaching out beyond ourselves. The list really goes on about noble things that we can do. I mean, really, this Proverbs 30 woman exists in the culmination of all of us when each of us does the one thing 
noble things get done. Number six in verse 30 is she fears the Lord. So I kind of felt like as they wrote this, I kind of thought fear of the Lord should have been the first thing because seriously, when we fear the Lord, these other things kind of fall into place because we recognize who we belong to and that we want to honor the Lord. But part of the scripture says, too, that um, that fear of the Lord was greater than any charm or beauty that she had. So I think that part of what that is, that fear of the Lord gives the honor to serve and respect him. And that is, um, like in that first, the first part of the, the verses that I read, that she had strength and honor. What great, greater covering than charm or beauty is strength and honor that we would walk in. We live in a culture where the lies are thick about beauty. We're too fat, too thin, too plain, too stupid, too short, too tall, too whatever, right? Fill in the blank of whatever it is that you, that's self-talk. But when we step into who God has made us to be, we are too treasured, too cherished, too valued, and too honored. And then we begin to value one another the way that God values us. The world shames, God honors Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All of the Proverbs flow out of this verse. When we fear the Lord, there is honor. So I stand here on a Mother's Day today, and I'm thankful for this man who's my husband. We're going to be married 52 years here in uh, just a week. That's crazy. He has praised me and blessed me, and he's encouraged me to walk in my calling. He's called me beautiful on days when I didn't feel beautiful. He's thanked me and helped me, and he's been used by God to speak into my life, even when it was hard to hear. Thank you. I love you. I think I've done the same for you. You have to say that on Father's Day when you preach. <laughs> okay. And I'm so blessed by my kids, and I wish that I could have them here with me today, but not going to be the case, but it's okay. They have never maybe actually arose in the morning and called me blessed. Mornings, as you know, mom, sometimes are a little harder. <laughs> we got the, if we got the blessed at the end of the day, we were happy. But I'm thankful for the title, mom. Thankful for my great daughters-in-law, my son-in-law, my grandchildren. They are my crown and my joy. I'm blessed. Well, number seven, the last thing in verse 31, says she earns due praise. It says, give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This last verse of this proverb reminded me of my own a personal story. As I said, my mom was 16 when I passed away, when she passed away, and my stepfather raised us. And it was interesting because they, they hadn't been married all that long, and I kind of we all thought, well, we wondered if he was going to finish raising us. or My mom had many sisters, and he could have farmed us off to be raised by any one of them, but he took us on, handful, three girls, this poor man, I look back and think, well, I hope he got great reward in heaven for that, I think he did, but he wasn't real demonstrative or real affirming, but we knew that he loved us, he provided for us, so one of the things after my mom was gone uh, all the tasks at the house were assigned weekly to each one of us. So one of us would set and clear the table, one would vacuum the floor, and the other would do the dishes. So this would rotate every week with all the things that we needed to do to keep the house running. So one week as I was standing at the kitchen sink, my stepdad walked by and he said to me, Donna, one day you're going to make a good wife. 
As I stand here today, I can still see myself standing at that sink, and I can hear his voice. I really believe God used his voice to prophesy over me over 50 years ago. Oh, it was more than being a good wife. It was a good word. That is the power of God's words for us. They can prophesy hope and belief in something greater. So on this Mother's Day, I just want to encourage us, if there's anything that we can get out of this proverb, not to be overwhelmed by the daunting thing that this woman did, but if we just daily opened ourselves up to the plan of God and to the yes in our spirit to do the things that he's asked us to do, that we would know the truth of what and who we are and what we wear. It's the words we say and the words we hear, and it's the power of prayer, knowing that he has the better plan for our lives. That we would encourage one another with the blessing and not the cursing. That we could say, um, speak value into one another's life and affirm and let one another know how incredibly powerful they are and how God wants to use them in this day that we live for his kingdom purposes. So I don't know about you, but I want to choose the Proverbs 31 path. It may seem a little daunting, but it can only be done through Jesus one day at a time and one step at a time through the grace of God. So I never want to uh, end a message and not give us a chance to respond to what the Lord would be saying. When I prepared this, it was kind of like every one of those seven things. It was like, Lord, help me to be better. It's not about that I'm going to do anything to earn your love. You love me, whether I do any of that or not. But there is a reward, and he is our reward, that is in our yes. So if you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus as your personal Savior, what a great day, Mother's Day, to be mindful of the greatness of our God, who is a father who has called us to be mothers and fathers in his kingdom to nurture the children of God. So uh, if you have not received him, this is a great day, and I think you know Pastor Jeff would be here to pray with you. But if there's any of these things, too, that maybe you're like, yeah, I could definitely do better than that. I could bless my wife more for the things that she does. I could maybe write a little chapter, a little note for her, and just honor her for the things that she's done and who the mom she's been, the wife she's been. And um, so if you just will stand, I want to hand off to Pastor Jeff. Again, just pray. On this Mother's Day, thank you, God, that whoever decided to say that there should be a day marked just to honor moms, thank you for your hand. And I pray, Lord, for moms here today that might be weary. They need your strength. I pray for moms this morning, Lord, that may have a child that is far away. Maybe they're a prodigal. Maybe they've not touched base in a long time. By your spirit, would you draw them home, Lord? We thank you for your word. We thank you that it breathes life and hope. We thank you for the power of the words that we speak. We do want to leave here today, Lord, and making a change in our little circle of the world, Lord, the people that we have influence over, we pray that it would be an influence of positivity and kingdom and praise and honor and your glory. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.